for those things that you've given us to help us to make good decisions. We thank you for giving us sensitivity. We thank you for giving us humility. We thank you for giving us those things that help us to say, Lord, I want to be used by you. Lord, sanctify me so that I can be used of you in service to others and that you will be glorified. Thank you, Lord. We ask all these things and we just give you all the praise in Jesus' precious name. Amen. There's no special music. We'll press on. Amen. We'll just go on and do our thing. Um, by the way, I just want to make sure that uh, just to remind everyone as well, too. You know, we had our spring break conference a month ago and we talked about forgiveness. And I wanted to make sure to you know, remind everyone that that was a very important message, I thought, as far as talking about forgiveness. What we are going to be discussing today is actually going to be kind of born out of that. But uh, what I'd like everybody to do right now, just to, to get started this morning, just to uh, kind of introduce the information as well, too, is everybody stand up. Uh, just real quick, everybody stand up. Stretch your legs a little bit. Now, I want you, and I, and I say this because I know there are some things I must have done sometime, you know, to you or members of the congregation where I just kind of goofed up or did something really stupid or silly, okay? And everybody's in need of forgiveness every now and then. So I want everybody, one, two, three, I want you to say, I forgive you. Ready? One, two, three. I forgive you. Well, that was pretty good. You know, just for one, one shot at that thing. Okay, you can be seated now. <laughs> Thank you very much for forgiving me for all those past transgressions I've had. I'm sure there will be more coming, so be prepared to do that again anytime you want. Now, wasn't that simple and easy to do? Simple to say, I forgive you. Simple to say those very words. And, you know, God says that very readily for us, too. When we ask for it, he forgives us. He readily says it. Now, understand something. That was not a normal circumstance where somebody just, you know, has you stand up and say, I forgive you. That's something that you have to do even when you're not asked to do it. Amen? Forgiveness is something that you don't just do unless you take that step to do it. And I'm going to give you uh, some insight based upon looking at you as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ and making sure that you don't take this thing called forgiveness for granted. God does indeed forgive you. That's what he does. But don't live in such a way where you have an expectation, no matter where you've been, no matter where you've come from, no matter where you're going, that he's going to forgive you. Because that's not the right way to look at it. The moment you take for granted how God has forgiven you is the very moment you take your relationship with Jesus Christ for granted. And perhaps even minimize it, if I can use that term. Make it seem less. Let's face it. Many of you have been believers for a long time. Amen? Some of you are new believers. 
Well, over time, you know, sometimes, you know, you have that fire and that fervor when you first come to know the Lord. And then things kind of taper off a little bit. You know, you're not on fire every day. You know, if you were on fire every day, you'd probably ignite and burn up. Every now and then, you have to kind of take it easy a little bit. But having said that, there's nothing wrong with having a fire for the Lord and doing things for the Lord. But every now and then, there's that, you have those little seasons or those moments where there's a little bit of a rut, a little bit of time where you're kind of reflecting on your relationship. You're looking at your life. But that's fine as long as you don't take Jesus Christ for granted. There's a difference. Believers need to proceed with extreme caution when this starts happening. Amen? Extreme caution. The act of forgiveness was certainly a one-time act when it came to our repentance of sin and acknowledgement of Jesus Christ as personal Lord and Savior. And that's from Hebrews 10. We all get that. We know that. We can dig it. Amen? One time thing. That was taken care of when you became a believer. Remember, though, that we are, as a people, are always in need of forgiveness. Amen? Just like I asked you to forgive me, I knew, you know, you know when you do stuff to people. Amen? You know when you're doing things to the Lord. You're always in need of forgiveness. That's never going to change. So even though it was a one-time payment, don't take that for granted. Even though we have the Holy Spirit as a guide that dwells within us, we still have this one thing that we got to deal with all the time, and that's the flesh. The flesh is present in our hearts, in our thoughts, Amen. That was a little quieter. I, some of you, some of you acknowledge that. Our hearts and thoughts. We think about stuff we know we shouldn't be thinking about. We do stuff we know we shouldn't be doing. Amen. We're always in need of forgiveness because we've got the flesh. That's the one thing that we can't get rid of. I mean, if we could get rid of the flesh, that would be great. But we know that that's something we can't get rid of. It. Our souls are indeed protected with our eternal salvation, but we still must actively call on the power of God to withstand the very presence of living in Satan's domain. We live in Satan's domain. We can't get past that. Satan's domain has all kinds of stuff we have to reckon with. Amen. Everything that goes with living in Satan's domain. I mean, we're in Satan's domain right here. You know, somebody made a joke the other day. It's like, well, outside the church. Well, shoot, stuff happens in the church, too. You don't have to be just walking outside the door or go over on Copley Road or something like that. There's stuff happening even in our churches. Can't escape that. So we need to reckon with that. We need to recognize it. We can't have true fellowship with God as long as we are 
unrepentant, unrepentant, and unwilling to seek his forgiveness. We had a conversation this morning in Sunday school about Luke chapter 12 and about how not just that section about the rich man and Lazarus and the the picture of fire, suffering. If people know what they're going to get into later on, wouldn't you turn and do the right thing? Amen? But there are folks that might read this and see this. That ain't going to be me. I'm going to do what I want to do anyway. I'm going to live in the flesh. The flesh is so powerful. The flesh will send you straight to hell. Amen? The flesh will send you right to hell. Now, if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you don't have to worry about that. But if you don't know the Lord, if you're unwilling to want to know the Lord, if you are unrepentant of your sins then that's where you're going to be. Now, understand something, too. Believers have this same issue. You've got to be willing to seek the Lord. You have to be willing and repent of your sin as a believer as well. God's forgiveness is indeed his business. He makes it his business to forgive. God's forgiveness is indeed his business. But you need to make his forgiveness your business. You need to make his forgiveness your business. Remember when we said, you know, Lord, sanctify me. You have to choose to do that. You have to choose to acknowledge his presence in your life. You have to choose to recognize his forgiveness. Here's how you can do this. God will continue to forgive us as believers if we exhibit the following. The first thing that we need to have is a sincere heart. Amen? A sincere heart. God sees your heart wherever it is, wherever you are. He sees everything. He knows if you have a sincere heart that is willing to seek him. If you don't have a sincere heart, you're in big trouble. Amen. You can't fake it with God and expect to make it. Can't fake it and expect to make it. Giving him everything that you've got means just that. Everything. Amen? Everything. Now, why do I say that? Some of us have a tendency to say, Lord, yes, I will give you everything you want. Except... For this little thing over here. Or maybe this thing over here behind my back. 
And Lord, you know, do me a favor. Don't look when I go over out to club crazy and decide to let loose a little bit. I'll catch you later on. Everything is everything. Everything means everything. I'm going to throw it down like the old lyrics and songs. Everything is everything. Everything means everything. Everything is everything. Nothing held back, especially your honest feelings. Give it all to him. A sincere heart means giving everything you have to him. Your fears, your worries, your anxiety, whatever that is, you're giving it all to him. A sincere heart lets it loose. The worst thing you can do if you know you need help is not ask for it. Amen? All the people are awake. Amen. Everything. Your health, your family, your church, everything. Come clean the way you know you should come clean. And don't pretend, not for me or anybody else, to be close to God when you're not. When you know you're not close to God, then you do your own thing. But don't pretend that you are being close to God. You know why? That doesn't hurt my feelings. You're mocking God. I only go by what I see. If you say you're close to the Lord, I say, Amen. But if you know you're not close to God, why are you lying to God? Remember we said he knows everything. A sincere heart. When you're not, when, you're, when you have to fake it before everybody... You know, when you have to say, I pretend to be something that you're not, and folks do it. We know this. If you have to pretend, that is the sin of pridefulness, everyone. That's pride. Pride is the opposite of humility. Pride feeds the flesh. Amen? That's just the flesh. Please go to Matthew chapter 6. I'm going to move this along a little bit because the temperature in here is one of those temperatures where, you know, when it's outside, you know, it's like 70 degrees and going up on 80 and it starts to get a little kind of clammy and you get that feeling like, you know, well, you took a shower, but maybe it didn't really matter at this point. So we want to also make sure that everyone stays up and is fresh and everything. And and that includes me. Amen. <laughs> Thank you for allowing me to have a little bit of fun every now and then, too, guys. This, that's really nice. So let's look at what Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 through 8 says. Uh, my version is the Holman Christian Center Bible. Just follow along in yours. It says, whenever you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. Because they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by people. Standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by folks. (laughs) I had a visual. 
Every now and then you'll see folks standing on the street corner trying to be cool, wearing their sunglasses, looking at folks going by. That's all you see. Ain't doing nothing but just showing themselves, right? I assure you they've got their reward. But when you pray, go into your private room, shut your door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. Amen? And your Father who sees in secret, remember he doesn't miss anything, he knows your heart, he sees you, will reward you. When you pray, don't babble like the idolaters. Since they imagine they'll be heard for their many words. Lord, thank you so much, oh Jesus, oh Jesus, and this is how this is how just all kinds of noise. I only said a few words in there. I don't know if you caught them or not. You know, they put Lord and God and Jesus with emphasis. Jesus! Just to make themselves heard, you know, to make themselves look more spiritual. And Jesus is laughing at them because there's nothing going on there. Don't pray like that. Don't be like them because your father knows the things you need before you ask him. So we're talking about an attitude, aren't we? A sincere heart means you have the attitude that you truly do want the Lord to be involved in everything in your life. You certainly will not take his forgiveness for granted if you're doing that. And for those of us who have say, I'm not such a bad guy, I'm not such a bad lady, I really do try to do the right thing. Flip over to 1 John chapter 1 for a bit of an eye-opener. 1 John chapter 1, verses 8 through 10. Because if we are talking about forgiveness, we need to talk about what we do that results in needing this forgiveness. And that thing is sin. Amen? Amen. All the people awake say amen. Amen. 1 John chapter 1, verses 8 through 10. If we say we have no sin, who says that? A lot of folks do. That's who. If we say we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves. And the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we don't have any sin, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Lord, have mercy. I don't want to make the Lord a liar about me. And you don't want to do it either. Every single person in this room has sinned at one point. In your life. Amen? Every one of us in here. And no one here is excluded from that. Oh wait, there's Jesus over there in the corner. He's excluded. But everybody else in this room has sinned at some point. You have to acknowledge it. 
If you're acknowledging your sin, that's the first step to what? Repentance. The first step to repentance is acknowledging your sin. How do you know what you're going to turn from if you don't acknowledge it? Amen? You can't turn from something if you don't know what you're turning from. Hebrews 10.22 says, Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience, and our bodies washed in pure water. That's our mindset. A sincere heart means we have a conscience that's clean before the Lord. He knows we've messed up. We acknowledge it. Lord, forgive us for messing up. He is faithful and just to forgive you. But you've got to ask to be forgiven. Amen? Number two, a willingness not just to acknowledge sin, but to repel sin. Amen? A willingness to repel sin is another way that we can really understand this thing about forgiveness and really understand the relationship we have with our Lord. A willingness to repel sin. Even when you do sin, our desire to have a healthy relationship with God through Jesus Christ should drive you to make things right with him sooner rather than later. In other words, don't have somebody come up to you and say, you did this, you did that, you did that. You should be coming up to the Lord and saying, I did this. It shouldn't be about someone calling to your attention where you screwed up. Amen? Really? Shouldn't be about that. You should be the one initiating that apology, looking to the Lord for forgiveness. He loves having fellowship with you. He wants to have fellowship with you. Prayer must be at the forefront of your desire to repel sin. Go to Psalm 119. Psalm 119. This verse will be relatively familiar to you. You have to have a desire as a believer in Jesus Christ in this effort to remain under God's covering, have a relationship with him, to seek to desire to want to do the right things all the time. Be obedient to the Lord all the time. This involves prayer, because without prayer, you're not going to be able to do that. You have to pray about it. It says in Psalm 119, verse 10, starting with verse 10, I have sought you with all my heart. Amen? I have, what does it say? I have sought you with all my heart. Don't let me wander from your commands. I have treasured your word in my heart so that I may not sin against you. I may not sin against you. We might sin against him, but we're praying that we don't sin. That's the prayer. We don't want to sin. We don't want to hurt our relationship with him. Lord, may you be praised. Teach me your statutes. And God will oblige that way of thinking. Go to Leviticus 26. Here's what God says for the person who is seeking him. 
and has a desire to not want to sin. A desire to repel sin. Repel is to have it push away. Push it away. You don't want any part of it. Leviticus 26, verses 11 and 12 is what we're going to look at. I will place my residence among you and I will not reject you. This is for the person who is really seeking the Lord and doesn't want to sin. He wants that fellowship with you. He wants a person who has the heart for God. I will walk among you and be your God and you will be my people. Why do you think he loves the church so much? He loves the church because the church, in general, has a heart's desire to do what? Serve him. Be obedient to him. Focus on him. Of course he loves that. Why wouldn't you? But now personalize that. He wants to have a relationship with you that is more than just, eh, eh. And wouldn't you want that too? You don't want your relationship to be like, eh. Now, you know, when you get married and you have a spouse, later on it might be like that. But you don't want that with the Lord. I just want to see if y'all are paying attention. That's right. Amen. Amen. Of course you want the best possible relationship with your spouse. And you certainly want that with the Lord. You don't want to settle for second best. Amen. That should be your heart's desire. One more verse, though, because one thing that we have to understand, too, about living in Satan's domain is that we have to deal with a lot of stuff that's put in front of us. So go to Matthew 26. This uh, this, again, is how we have a sincere desire to repel sin. And we don't take the relationship we have with Jesus Christ for granted. We don't just assume it. We have to do it. Amen. Prayer is very important. So in Matthew 26, 41, which is where you're going, I'm reading this one from the English Standard Version. It's also becoming one of my favorite versions as well, too, along with the Holman Bible. It's a great version. It says, watch and pray that you may not enter into what? Temptation. Everyone in this room has been tempted at one point or another over the last seven days. I'll just throw it out there. You've been tempted to do something. I could have said within the last 24 hours. I could have said when you got up this morning. But every one of us has been tempted by something. Amen? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing But the flesh is weak. The flesh is weak. That's why we need to have this ongoing communication with Lord. Lord, help me not to sin. Lord, help me to avoid this. Lord, there is a way of escape. I know you have it. Amen. 
It's there. But guess what? You have to recognize it. You have to take it. You have to take the way of escape. The way of escape is there. You might have to veer off a path. Don't just keep rumbling, bumbling, and stumbling towards the sin. Take the path that he gives you. Third point, final point. One of the most important things we need to do as a people is recognize who God is. Give God his due in worship and praise. Amen? Now, the praise team, by the way, kudos to the praise team for setting the stage for this worship and praise that we do on Sunday. It's really important. Give him his due. Give God his due in worship and praise. If we take the time to stop and thank God for everything he's done for us, there is little time for sin to occupy our hearts. Amen? If you're taking the time to praise the Lord, you ain't got time to sin. Amen? Amen. You, when you're taking the time to say, Lord, thank you. Lord, praise you. Lord, I'm just going to give you the glory. You ain't got time to sin. Amen. When you're doing that, and when you're actively doing that, and you're doing it all the time, not just because we tell you to, by the way. Don't, don't do it just because we said you should. Do it because you know you should. How good has God been to you your entire life? Amen? What has God brought you through to recognize he needs to be worshipped and praised? Everyone here has a testimony for that. Every one of you, children, adults, in between. You know what God has done for you. You know he deserves your worship and praise. If you're doing that, you ain't got time to think about sinning. Go to Psalm 33, please, and let's look at verses 1 through 5. And by the way, what I'm telling you right now, it applies to me too. I have to remind myself how good God has been. And I mentioned about being here for 20 years and how God has been so good to me through ups and downs. And those of you who have been here with me for 20 years, you know exactly what I mean. Ups and downs. But God has been good. And God orchestrates things in our lives. We don't understand them at the time. We don't know why they're happening. We don't know what's going on. All we can do is trust that, Lord, you're in control. You know exactly what's happening. And you see the outcome of it after the fact. And you go, praise God. Because you see what he was setting you for. What he was trying to prepare you for. What he was trying to do in your life. It may take a few years. Young folks don't want to hear that. Take a few years. Oh, no, man, no. No, no, no. No, it may take a few years. But that's all right, because God's timing is perfect. Psalm 33, verses 1 through 5, it says, Rejoice in the Lord, you righteous ones. Notice how it says righteous ones. 
Your righteousness is because of Jesus Christ. He's the one who makes you righteous. Praise from the upright is beautiful. The Lord loves to hear your praise and worship. It's a beautiful thing. It's a sweet sound. Amen? Now, y'all might be singing out of key, but that worship is still a sweet sound. Praise the Lord with the lyra. Make music to him with a ten-stringed harp. Sing a new song to him. Play skillfully on the strings with a joyful shout. For the word of the Lord is right and all his work is trustworthy. He loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of the Lord's unfailing love. A person who worships and praises the Lord sees all the beauty of God all around them. The great things that he has done. Righteousness, justice, beauty. You take a look at nature, you see nature differently. A believer who is living for Christ understands the importance of keeping a solid relationship with him and maintaining a healthy relationship, a healthy fellowship. When you don't take Jesus Christ for granted, when you understand what he's done for you, you really do get that. He forgives you as often as you turn to him to ask for forgiveness. Amen? He never refuses that. He never refuses to forgive you as often as you turn. Just like we're supposed to forgive somebody 777,000 times. I added a thousand. 777 times. We're supposed to forgive somebody. Guess what? He forgives you 777,000 times when you ask for it. Amen? He is faithful to do that. That's his business. God is in the business of forgiveness. It's very important for you to make God's forgiveness your business. Acknowledge who he is. Recognize who he is. Don't take this forgiveness thing for granted. Don't do that. The moment you do that, you're losing something in your relationship with Jesus Christ. You're losing something where you're not able to treat others the way they should be treated. Jesus is not an idol. Jesus is Lord. Amen? Father, we thank you for how you have given us insight and guidance into your word. And we thank you for the message that you've given us about the importance of just not taking you for granted. We thank you for who you are in our lives. We thank you for everything that you've done. We want to praise you and worship you for how you have led us from one place to another to another. And Lord, we know that we have aches and pains and things we have to deal with on a daily basis. But it's still all good because you're a part of all that. You give us the ability to get through those things. You give us the insight to make decisions to help us further along. And Lord, you are faithful to forgive us when we ask for it. 